I was doing the podcast and the social media and all that stuff. And then I got to the chair. I'm like, what can I do that's further? So then I wrote the book and I put together the TV show and I'm speaking on stages this year and I'm working on expanding myself, but that only works, right? If I can show everybody else how to do it. It's great to be the guy in front of the room, but I only want to be the guy in front of the room with people standing next to me. If I can't build you up to be next to me, I don't want you following me. <laughs> And we are live. Yeah, kid. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of Smells Like Cappy with Handsome. I'm your host, Charles Moore, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, formerly Captain Permit, but we love Captain Permit. Obviously, you guys need any permits, 516-513-8838 from coast to coast. And by that, I mean from Montauk to the Queens border. We got you interior alterations, new construction, light commercial, investors love us, realtors love us, loan officers love us, attorneys love us. Check those guys out. And obviously, this podcast and every podcast is sponsored by none other than Cardinal Financial, but more specifically, Sal Rosolo out of the Patchog office. We love him. Listen, very quick anecdote. I say this every time, but I can't say this enough. If you are an investor or if you are a realtor, you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing. And there's very few people that know what they're doing. Don't, don't get it twisted. There's over a thousand LOs on Long Island. I would say 98% of them have no idea what's going on. Sal Rosolo, has saved me a tremendous amount of time, tremendous amount of money. I had a ton of deals that were falling through while they were on the contract one, two, three months later. A couple guys even lost their down payment and they couldn't close. Now, the goose egg, meaning no deals fall through. If Sal gives me the blessing, the rabbi blessing, sprinkles the holy water, whatever it is that he does, these deals close. That is absolutely priceless because everybody knows, A, in this market, prices are dropping like a rockish, not totally like a rock, but like a rockish. And B, listen, it costs 150 to $350 a day to carry these things. And nobody wants to carry them longer than possible, longer than they need to. So reach out to Sal. We're going to put his info in here, obviously, down in the comment section. And uh, give him a buzz. Talk to him. Tell him Handsome sent you. And uh, in the spirit of Cardinal Financial, we have one of the Fab Four with us. We just did. We did. Uh, Frankie was number one. Tommy was number two. We recorded him last week. That's going to be coming out. Actually, before this one, we got Ralph, who coincidentally, Ralph, Mazel tov, you don't know this, sir, but you are podcast number 200, dude. 200. This is our 200th podcast. I can't believe it. I mean, listen, anybody who doesn't podcast, you should podcast. This has absolutely changed my life. I've met a ton of amazing people as a result. So like I said, Ralph DeBugnera, he's been mortgages for 20 years. He's got a new book coming out, The Growth Trap. God bless him. I don't know when he has time to do all this stuff. Married kids, the whole nine. Um, Disruptor Network just filmed and edited a new TV show that's coming out on DirecTV in January. And like I said, he's one of the Fab Four that runs a division of Cardinal Financial, which basically covers the entire East Coast. Tons of loan officers, a lot of action, a lot of experience from this gentleman. Looking forward to popping uh, popping off. Here he is. <laughs> Yo. 200, that's ridiculous that you have 200 episodes. That's amazing. So for as many as it feels like it is, I feel like I should have more. Like, I feel like I've been doing this for so long. I should have like 500 of these things. But in in, in reality, it's it's amazing. It's changed my life. I've gotten to speak to a lot of very cool people who otherwise would never speak to me because they're like, this kid's a little a little off. Uh, but I'm like, all right. You know, all right I, nobody turns down a podcast for the most part. So let's, uh, let's do uh, it. Man. Just, just to... The consistency of doing 200 episodes, I have a podcast that I'm nowhere near that. It's unbelievable. So it's a it really is a big accomplishment. So congratulations. Thanks, man. I really uh, I appreciate it. So let's get into it. We were talking to a about a bunch of really cool stuff offline. And I'm like, yo, 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 we got to cut it. We got to cut it because people, <laughs> people really need to hear about this. So 
give people kind of like the 30 to 60 second background on, you know, on you, your history, how you got into mortgages, where you, uh, where you came yeah. from essentially. Um, so I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Originally, I grew up in a two family house there. Uh, my father was a teacher and educator. So I grew up under that, you know, we, he worked his ass off. We didn't really have very much, but I didn't know it. Um, I went through school. I was not very good at school. I wasn't, I, I got through college just cause I didn't want to be disappointing, but not because uh, I was excelling at it. And I got out of school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And it was 2001, 2002 around the, um, the dot-com bubble. So it's when that that happened and, and it was, the economy was a mess because of all these kind of overvalued uh, internet stocks. Um, and there was no jobs. I had I was working as a copier salesman for Canon, walking door to door in Manhattan, which was miserable. Uh, it was not, I, wow. Amazing training, though, probably. Oh, Amazing yeah. training. It was it was it was a good learning experience because I had no idea how to do sales and getting the door slammed in my face every single day was was not great. But I had a friend that was in mortgages. He's like, hey, I'm working at this company downtown Manhattan on Wall Street. They're eventually going to go public. Why don't you come in? I'll put you in the training program. You don't need to be licensed. At the time, you didn't need to be licensed. And we'll put you on the phone after a couple of months. But it's it's commission only. So I was like, I got no other options. I, you know, so I was like, so I, I had saved up enough money to, to last. I was living with my parents for a couple of months. And I, and I started in mortgages. And it was a really good time to get in the business. And I rode that from... 01 to 08 when the world fell apart in real estate and mortgages. And uh, I started over again, um, broke and in debt, but it was, uh, it was a really, really dark time, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. So that's the basics of my business. And, and now we're, you know, 14 years later at Cardinal Financial and, you know, Frank and I and, and Tommy and Jimmy, uh, you know, we run a $2 billion mortgage business um, that I'm thankful for, but you know, right partners, right place, right time. And just being consistent is, is kind of got us back to where we wanted to be. No, that's what, so a bunch of different things. A, when you were, so the other day I saw that FTX thing pop off and my buddy Sal and I have been talking about it in, in every recession and, and you've, you've, you've been in business for 20 years. So it's a little, it's a little messed up that now we're the age where it's like, we could say that we've been doing something for 20 yeah. years and we've yeah, known people definitely. for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. But <laughs> He started, he dropped out of school at 13. He's been working since 13. So he's like, listen, there's always a catalyst. Like the last time Lehman went bad, like the economy is going bad, but there's always like a catalyst. Do you think the FTX thing is the catalyst for this one? Yeah. I mean, just the reality of reading about it and saying that it was twice the size of the Enron bank, like, right? Like, it, like Enron was the biggest thing when that happened during that crisis. And it's twice the size of that. And I start to see all the ramifications of it, of, all these these athletes and entertainers who took their who took their upfront money or their guaranteed money in, in crypto through FDX, like it's you know it's just I a hundred percent agree think that this is going to have a, a, a bigger impact than I thought at first uh, on the economy right now because it's just a lot of people got caught up in it you know it really is a lot of people who got caught you know we thought Madoff was a big deal this is ten times the size of that so it's you know it's, it's scary. The question is, and I don't know the answer to this because I don't know a lot about crypto. I mean, I sort of understand it, but I really don't understand it. I have a buddy that's super into it. He tries to get, I'm like, bro, just bricks, <laughs> bricks, sticks. People can live in it. Section 8 sends me checks every month. That's the only thing I I, 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 I truly understand. But is, you know, are the number of people that are involved in crypto that that dealt with FTX big enough to really send a, like a shockwave through the economy and really and really jack people up? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. That's a, it's a really good question. I mean, it wasn't just crypto either. It was all this NFT stuff. And, you know, Gary Vee, who I know you, you, we both follow, we mentioned a lot, all that stuff. Like, he really, like, exploded even further over the last couple of years because of the NFT stuff. Like, he was at the forefront of that. And 
people were really buying that stuff. And, and it's not like I saw yesterday that some of the, the ape stuff that the people bought, like the, the art is like, yeah, it was worth like 5% of what it was worth a year ago. It, you know, that's yeah. fantastic. So I, you know, I think we were living in a little bit of excess, so that's helping a little bit, but I, I don't think that it can't, uh, it's good. I, I believe it's going to have some kind of like serious impact on the economy. I think it has to. So, but the question is, and I remember something that Gary was saying, and I don't know a ton about F NFTs. I understand like mm -hmm. on a very high level, the mechanics yeah. and how they work, but you know, it's essentially the value prop. So I remember him saying in one video, he said, the defining moment of my career is going to be when the NFT market completely cracks. And then it, um, these projects lose like 90% of their value. He goes, and then I come in and scoop up all of the, the good projects. So I, I like, I wanted to buy a board ape and I'm like, eh, I'm not spending freaking 150, 200,000 on a board ape. But if a board ape is selling for freaking 30 grand right now, yeah, you're right. Is there value there? And I, I, I agree with you. That's the question. Like, you know, the, the most millionaires are made during this time, right? The billionaires are made during these recessionary periods when you can buy stuff cheap. And um, I have a very loose connection to Tillman Fertitta, um, who is who is the owner of the Houston Rockets, and he owns the Golden Nugget. And I don't know him personally, but I have friends who do, right? Um, he's If you read his book, he made all his money in, in big recessions, right? He borrowed yeah. a lot of money before the recession started yep. and then used all of it during the recessions. Yeah. And if you look at what he's doing now, he just bought – he joined 6% of the win at Resort and Casino in Vegas. Yep. And he bought a huge resort in Malibu, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. But all he's doing is buying. So it just tells you that, like, the guys who have who have had enough guts to go in and do it before are trying to do it again. Yeah. So, it, so you're right. Is this the time for you to go buy that stuff? It may be. So – and I agree with him 150%. Like, my, what I've been saying, and there's a ton of video on this, like, the last three or four years, is, like, I'm going to ride the last cycle, this last cycle, which I thought would – would go until the end of next year. And there's still like a little bit of juice. We're like on the last drag of the cigarette, I think. But I was like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to raise a ton of money. I'm going to, you know, start a private equity fund. And that's it. I'm going to run. So what I did was I went and refinanced. End of last year, I went and refinanced all of my, uh, all of my rental properties, pulled out a ton of money. And I'm like, all right, I'm a bunch of dry powder, went and bought a couple of strategic investments. Now I'm sitting on a bunch of money, getting ready to do that. The question is, is it too early to go out there and start buying? Yeah. That was my thing. I was like, yo, people haven't, yo, people on Main Street have, don't, dude, they don't feel this. When you go to a restaurant, it's packed. You try to get on a flight, it's full. Yeah, right. I, I feel like that was the only thing. Like, I see the NFT stuff in the crypto cup is hitting hard right now. So maybe, yes, you know, the Rolex, the watch market is hitting hard right now. So maybe, yes. But, it usually takes a little bit more time. I think we have like six to 12 months before you really start to get into like, yo, where are the really good deals? I, I agree. And, and I feel the same way about real estate with you. Like I'm, I'm, I have a couple of things I had to do because I had a 1031 exchange, but I'm a little bit skeptical of now is the right time. And, you know, the thing I think that was really came out this week, the stat about credit card debt, that it's like doubled or tripled in the last like six months. Wow. I, massive good, indicator. Yeah. So good, good credit card rates for good credit during... 2% rates in mortgages with 16% in credit cards, which means that it's going to be 30%, 35%. Yeah. So that's where I think people now, they went from living in excess, right? So now they're living on their credit cards. And then what happens after that? So I think the massive debt load, now that I saw that stat, I think that takes three to six months at least to start to impact the economy. So I'm with you. I think that we have some time still before you're like, all right, now that, and I'm with you. I did the same thing. I took out, I took out lines of credit. I took money out of the houses. I'm sitting on cash right now. 
like what's next? But yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't have that inkling right now. Like, okay, this is it. This is the strategy. I'm going to yeah. do this. So a couple different things. A, recessions typically set in in like, you know, September, October, historically. So yeah, I think, I mean, listen, people are talking about it now, but I think the overwhelming majority of people, like I have conversations with people and most people are like, what do you mean? Like everything's fine. We feel it more in the real estate market right now because obviously the rates went up. So people have less buying power and it's like, they, they're getting nervous. There's still a lot of showing, still a lot of action, but people are very nervous. They're not pulling the trigger. So you'll have 30 people come through um, an open house and you'll have one offer as opposed to having, you know, 20 offers like you used to. So I think we're, we're seeing it. We are literally you and I seeing it first. We're in the middle of it. Yeah, we are. We are. We're at the tip of it. Yeah. So I think we're probably right in the sense that a year from now, when you're into September of October of next year, and by that time, hopefully we've I've flushed out all the all the crap that I have and rebought at cheaper prices, but um, I think that's when it's going to really set in, and that's when people are going to be like, "Oh shit!" You know, the crypto wave obviously hit a lot of these kids. That's why the watch watch market is taking a crap. But like in general, overall, that's why I'm surprised a lot of these guys are going out and spending big big money because tourism is still or is is still moving. Yeah, I mean, bro, I, I I went to Disney this week with my 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 wife and my kids and uh, packed. It was packed. I couldn't believe it. And then we flew back on a Tuesday, right? Tuesday at three o'clock in the afternoon. I couldn't even get the car around to pick everybody up. At the, there were so many calls. I, I was like, "Where are all these people coming from?" Like, how, and my I have family members that work for the airlines, and they told me they're busier than they've ever been right now. So, I, like, where's the money coming from? Well, I think it's coming from credit cards, and I think it's coming from debt, and I think that. That we're going to see all of it. You're going to see a slowdown in. I, well, I agree with you. Well, it's a combination of things. So, like, people are still living off the last round of stimulus. So, think about this: like a month ago, or maybe six weeks ago, they got that last whole like employee retention thing. So, you got like ten grand or thirty grand or whatever it was, depending on the situation, for every employee that you retained through the entire COVID thing. So, like, I know small restaurants that got checks for like three hundred fifty thousand dollars after they had already gotten checks for like a half a million dollars before. It's yeah. fucking retarded. So, what are those guys doing and girls doing? They're going to buying real estate, they're buying this, they're buying that, they're putting in the stock market, whatever the hell they're doing. And that probably starts to run out like into Q2 of next year, you know, summer comes, whatever. And then all of a sudden September comes around and it's like, yo, what, what, what's going on here? Like it's, it's freaking dead. So I, I think we're a year away from really getting into it, but it, it already started it started in like March or whatever, when they started yeah, taking their I rates agree. up. I think, I think you're right. I think you're right on the money. I think it, it has started already. I think we're just, it's just not clear and nothing's clear yet, but I think it has, to, and, and the PP, you know, the PPP and the stimulus money is interesting you bring that up because I can't tell you how many people I've heard from in the last two months that are like, well, I got this stimulus money that I have to spend. Like that's still been going on. And then, and then you wonder why when the numbers come up that consumer spending is still up. Right. And, and unemployment is not up a crazy amount because people either went back to work or there haven't been as many layoffs in other industries outside of ours at this point, because there was still all this PPP money to employ people. So I think that some of the stuff is being hidden. Yeah. And then you bring Frankie's theory into it, which, you know, part of me really hopes that he's right. But then part of me is really scared that he's right, which is that, yo, they're going to start to drop rates like Q1 of next year. And if they drop rates next year, it's going to give us an additional shot in the arm to keep this thing going, which obviously, you know, certain yeah. political figures want because you're coming to an election year and you don't want to be jacked up coming into two years from now. Right. But um, he, has me they, he has me convinced, too, that he's right. He's fucking, he's nasty, that guy. He knows shit. Like, he just knows shit. So he's he's very well, he's very well read. He's very well informed. He's, he's very good at reading the market. So yeah, he, he usually has me sold. 
The crazy thing is, right after he came out with it, like two weeks later, Michael Burr, the guy from The Big Short, yeah, he came out. He came out and said the same shit. I know. <laughs> Which makes sense to me, actually. I'm just like, listen, not to say that Michael Burr's never wrong or you know Frank's never wrong, but I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my god. And then you see what happened. The election passed. Rates went up. The election passed. Rates went up again, but like now rates are ticking down. So yeah. he had said to me, he goes, listen, December, it's going to like, you know, they're going to fall. They're going to be, you know, somewhere between six and seven. I'm like, bro, somewhere between six and seven. This fucking guy. Like, I don't know how the hell he does this shit. And he's like, you watch after the new year, Q1, the rates yeah. are going to like four and a half to five, five and a half percent. I'm like, God willing, because I'm going to unload everything. But then I'm like, oh, then then it's just going to be the world's going to detonate like 12 months later. We're completely, yeah, we're completely fucked. Hard. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Inflation is going to be so crazy that the rates are going to rise to like freaking thirty percent just to try to just to try to calm this down. It's true. Listen, yeah, they, sh- they shit the bed on this. Yeah, they they just screwed it up for the last three few years in, in general. They started it too late. They, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. But it's definitely not been handled correctly, and I still I think it's still being handled incorrectly. Horrible. They gave yeah. too much money for too long. Then they didn't raise the rates fast enough because they they just. They just they overcorrect every time. Yes, you're right. They overshoot every time. You're, that's a really good point. They overcorrect every, every, every single time. So let's talk about Cardinal for a minute here. The 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 most interesting thing about you guys is like when it comes to partnerships. I really don't do partnerships, and it's because I have a problem with authority, and I want to do what I want to do. And partnerships can be beautiful, like a beautiful marriage, right? But there's not that many beautiful marriages, in my opinion. And this is the case with you guys in the sense that you have a truly beautiful four-person partnership. Talk about how that like works, how the dynamic works, how it comes together, what each of your responsibilities are, and how it's yeah. essentially propelled you to a $2 billion business. I think you bring up a good point. I think when people come to me all the time, like, hey, I'm going to team up with this guy, I'm going to partner with this guy. I'm like, just be very, very careful because it's very difficult, right? Um, what works for us is because we all handle something different. and But, but at the same time, Charles, it's, it's compromise, right? Like, you have to be willing – like. You know, and it took a little while for us to get used to it, even though we know each other for a long time, like, all right, this person's going to lead the way on this. And, you know, Frank's a great example of it. Like, I defer to him in a lot of situations at this point. I'm just like, and I may not, have, at the beginning, agree with how he was doing it, but I, the result was always there. So I'm like, you know what? However he's doing it, he knows what he's doing. He's going to get, so I think with all of us, with Tommy, Jamie, and Frank, that we all just trust that the end result is going to be what we want. And sometimes we're going to have to trust that we don't know everything as far as that, why that person's doing it, the process. But, um, you know, Frank really handles operationally what we're, we're going through. Like he's going to, he's going to make sure the operation's running the right way. I'm really outside business, business development, training, educating, recruiting. And Jimmy does a lot of the same with, with like strategic relationships. And Tommy's the guy that's really the guy at the front of the room still who the producers, um, like respect and follow because he still does it. So, you know, and he's got a lot of history in this business. So I think that we all play completely different roles. We don't cross swords a lot. You know, everybody lets each other do their thing for what they're doing. And I think here's the most important part about partnerships. And with our partnership, I can tell you it's the most important thing. A lot of times what happens in partnerships, in my opinion, is, well, I'm doing all the work, right? Or I'm doing this and I'm doing this. I don't ever think about where my partners are because I know they're working. Right? Like I just, I don't even think about it. like, is this guy pulling his weight? Because I know they're always trying to make the business better. And I, if I can point out one thing in our partnership that I think makes it work, it's that. It's that everybody's doing their part all the time. And we don't ever have to think about it. Is this person playing their role? Yeah, that's the thing. And that's exactly my thing. Like somebody's always, you know, not pulling their weight. So how did you guys come together and decide who's going to do what? Um, how did that come together? 
so Frank and I, so Frank introduced Tommy to me because Tommy was trying to partner with Frank and Frank couldn't take him on at the time. So me and Frank were separated at that point. He's like, hey, it's only, if I'm going to refer you, it's going to be to him. So he brought him to me and then Tommy came and worked with me. Um, but Frank and I had always been trying since we met each other in 2008. Um, and we worked together for a while, but then we separated. Not because of us, because the company kind of split apart and there wasn't room for everybody. So we went our separate ways and basically we're doing the same exact thing at different companies. So we were always... Hey, how do we get back together? So Frank was with Jimmy and I was with Tommy. Um, and Car the Cardinal opportunity had been coming to me through Fortress, who, who owns 40% of Cardinal, for about three years that they were pushing me to come. Um, and I never could like get myself to go. So I kind of been talking to them more seriously. I had gone down to the headquarters in Charlotte and met with them a few times. And it was in November, actually. I got a call from Frank. He's like, hey, have you ever heard of Cardinal? I was like, yeah, it's funny you ask. I've been talking to them. He's like, how you talk to them? I was like, oh, it's through Fortress. They had another partner at the time, which is Arbor, a real estate investment trust, which is a really, really highly rated REIT, which I have, which I love. I have money in there. Great. Um, and they had reached out to Frank. She was like, hey, I brought these guys in. Long story short is we got together, we went and got meet with them. And, and Frank was really, um, would push me over the, the hump to get it done. Like he was like, all right, let's do it. And I was like, all right, if you're coming, then I'm going. So we ended up coming over here together. We moved a hundred people. Um, wow. And probably we moved a hundred people and probably one of the hardest, worst parts of my life, what was going on at the time, which is settled now, but it wasn't great at the time. Um, but it was the right time to do it at the time. Um, my wife was going through cancer and wow. yeah. And it was, it was like right at the very beginning of it. So, but it, listen, it ended up, she's fine. She's in remission now for, for three years and, and ended up being, listen, sometimes you just got to do things. You, timing's never going to be right. Like, you know, it was just him coming on board, pushed me to go. And then Tommy was like, let's do it. Jimmy was like, let's do it. And we just, we went and the first six months were rough. Dude. Were really, really rough. Um, and, you know, I remember calling some Frank. He's like, dude, I don't know if this is going to work. Well, I may be going back the other way. So I'm like, you can't leave. I, we just moved all these people. Like, and like, you know, he hung in there and now he's the biggest proponent of us being here. But um, yeah, it wasn't easy, but nothing worth having. And I've learned in life, unfortunately, is, is ever easy to get. So it was just, uh, it was a really hard time. But it was, it was very well worth it. Okay. So talk about your role a little bit, exactly, you know, what you do for the partnership. Yeah. So, so, um, Frank likes to say I'm the face of the franchise. Um, and, um, I don't know, you know, I think everybody's starting to get their own voice through, through branding and social media, but I was kind of originally when we got together, I, when I was around 2007, 2018, that's how many people were doing it. And I was already writing articles for Forbes and I was already, um, had a decent amount of funds on social media. So branding and marketing will really my big thing coming in, right? I'm going to brand, I'm going to market, recruit. As my role has grown here, it's really become more about education. And, and I kind of want to mention with that, that you came in and spoke to the team the last two weeks. Um, and just, you know, it was good to have another voice in the room saying some of the stuff we saying and telling them some different stuff too. Like, and you're awesome. Uh, and you have a future definitely speaking on stages in front of people. Cause I think that you're very, very comfortable up there talking. So I want to say, thank that. you. Thank you. I would, yeah, I love that shit, man. I would love to do that. No, you were great, bro. And, and Thank you. But a lot of what I, I've come, become to be now is education, right? Um, teaching them how to build their brands and their businesses, bringing in speakers who are not mortgage or real estate guys or guys like you who are not doing what we're doing, but they're building businesses to educate. And, and we have leadership meetings once a, once a month where we're bringing outside speakers. Um, I'm constantly running masterminds and educating. We ran our first loan officer training class last year, which was three months to, to teach people different skills, not the ABCs of mortgages, but like, how do you market? How do you brand? How do you build? So a lot of what I've become besides recruiting is that, right? And, you know, 
Frank likes to say, like, we get people on the phone and he can talk about the business inside and out. And then I'm the bells and whistles. Like, hey, we also have this. But it just, I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. It wouldn't work by myself. Like what I do every single day. But the partnership allows us to do what, what, what our highest and best use is every single day. And this is my highest and best use. Only because it's what I enjoy the most, right? It's like what I like doing. So it, it really works for me, my life, my quality of life, and for the business. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Like when I see when I see you guys in your in your individual roles, obviously I I, I know all you. It, it makes sense. I'm like, oh, this is like a perfect partnership. It totally makes sense. They're in different they're in different regions. They're doing different things. This is their niche of you know exactly what they do, and more importantly, what they like to do. Like I could see Tommy in there originally in business, yelling at the guys, boom, yeah. getting everybody fired up, running around, right? You know, you obviously like to be in the public eye, social media. You like it, you get it. So talk to me about like, so I think this is very important for people like yourself or like, you know, broker owners in real estate or anybody who's on, on the top of a business who's looking to attract talent. How do you use social media and what are specifically are you doing to, to recruit? So I think two things. Um, I want my, my platform is always education. Uh, you know, my father was a teacher and I realized at this point in life that I like educating more than anything else. And my platform is always education. So I try to always lead with, um, this is what I know from the past. This is what's going on in the present. This is what I think is going to happen in the future from, from experience, like from substance. Um, so I, I try to put out enough education with people where I'm not, I'm not trying to scare people. I don't want to scare people. I want to just inform people. So that's first. And then, um, constantly innovating, like, and, and you'll really understand this. I think it really will resonate with you. Everybody's like, you worry about people taking the stuff you're doing, the turkey, the stuff you guys are working on together and, and using it for their own. I said, no, because if I'm not constantly innovating and trying to do more then then I'm dying. Right. So like, you know, I did, I was doing the podcast and the social media and all that stuff. And then I got to the show, like, what can I do that's further? So then I wrote the book and I put together the TV show and um, I'm speaking on stages this year and I'm working on expanding myself, but that only works, right? If I can show everybody else how to do it. So now I built out a course on how to buy uh, and build a real estate portfolio through Airbnb and short-term rental. But a lot of me doing that exercise is because, like, so I can give these guys that work for us something that's not mortgages every single day, something that's not because if I thought that I had nothing else to do with just mortgages every single day, for me, it, I would die. Like I need something to challenge me every single day. That's not for 20 years. Right. So I work on things that are outside of the box constantly, but my, my path to that is always, I'm going to do this, but how am I going to educate the people behind me to do it after me? Because it's great to be the guy in front of the room, but I only want to be the guy in front of the room with people standing next to me. Like, I don't want to be that. That's just how I'm built. I'm not, I'm more of a team guy than I am an individual person. And if I can't build you up to be next to me, I don't want you following me. So, I, you know, I think everything I do is really built to get people to stand next to me in the front and not follow me along. Because I just don't think that lasts. No, and that's really smart. And listen, just thinking from a value prop standpoint, you know, I say people like I was talking in the class, I was like, listen, you stand up in front of the room and this goes for everybody, right? So obviously you want to work with as many loan offices, as many of the right loan offices as possible, right? Sure, yes. So if you have like six guys or girls that you're really interested in working with and they're saying, hey, you know, I've been speaking to a bunch of people like you, what makes you better than everybody else? Part of the value proposition is, hey, listen, we're going to help you grow your life. Forget about like, it's great. You're going to make, you're going to make money in mortgages. We're going to treat, we're going to teach you. We have, um. You know, we have Octane, which is the, like the greatest thing in the world. It like does everything for you, right? And you could close deals in 25 days legitimately, which is awesome. But, you know, what else is there? And it's like, hey, do you have dreams? Do you have goals? Are they outside that are outside of mortgages? Is it real estate? Is it starting your own business? Like, what is it? Because we have experience in all that. And we're here to help you grow as a person. 
which is really what I think a lot of people want also. They they want the guidance. It's not really about the dollar. It's about the culture and everything that comes yeah. along with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when we get on recruiting calls, um, like one of the things I always talk about, because I really mean it, right, is like quality of life. Like how do we improve your quality of life? And if I'm talking to you about quality of life by growing your life, growing your brand, growing your business, growing your outside interest, if I'm talking to you about that and you keep coming back to what, what are the low, I want to know the lowest rates in the market then we're not talking the same language and you're not the right person for me, right? Because it's not about being the lowest rate in the market. We're all competitive. It's about how are we doing business the right way? How are we growing your life? How are we making your quality of life better? If we can do that for you, then you'll want to be with us forever, right? We'll, we'll be a team forever and then I can trust you. But if, if, if we're talking about little details like that, then, then it doesn't make sense to us as a, as a business. So when you say recruiting, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm dialed in on this, when you recruit at your level, are you recruiting on like, you know, one LO basis or are you bringing teams of people over? You're basically. So both. So a lot of times um, if it's single LOs, they'll come through the managers first and then to us. Um, sometimes they don't come at all. Sometimes they come on without having to talk to us, but I'm talking to teams. I'm talking to high, I'm talking to teams. I'm talking to high level producers, but I'm also talking to realtors. Like a lot of my platform is educating realtors and referral partners because my value is I'm going to go out and educate. I'm going to be the guy that, that gets them interested in what we do, but then you have to close, right? So like you have to close the deal. So a lot of that is trying to educate other people. So they'll want to do business with us. So that's a big part of what my role is also. It's like, how do I educate others? So then we're giving them a value proposition that's outside of, Hey, we're a mortgage bank. We're going to close your loans, which somebody like Sal does for you, which he, they, I really believe while people have the nuts and bolts of this business down unbelievably because the yeah. technology we have with Octane helps them. We have a great system that Frank's really helped put together. Like we can close loans better than everybody. I truly believe that, right? I, I, I am here telling you it is a 100% fact. Like I don't know of anybody that's outside of a realtor like Brian Carper's doing 200 transactions a year. I mean, I've sold over 400 houses in the last five years and there is literally nobody that closes loans like you guys. No. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate you always being like, a, a mouthpiece for that because people don't want to believe it. But so that's become such a, like a, a like I, it, I know we can do that. Well, I trust that we do that really well. So what other value are we offering you? And I don't want to be the same as every other guy. Like, Oh, we'll pay for this. We'll pay for that because it's gotta be a business partnership. Like what, yeah, are you no. getting? what am I getting? So, you know, it, it's really, but how do we give people value? And I'm constantly tweaking that. I'm working on that. Like, you know, just the thing we did with you the last two weeks, right? I loved that. I, and I loved it in my, I wasn't in the Melville office. I couldn't make it out that day, but I loved it in my office because it was small. It was intimate. People could interact with you. They felt like they had a one-on-one -on -one with you, even though there was 50 people in the room, right? Yeah. Like they felt like it was one-on-one. -on -one. So like, as soon as I, like, as soon as we finished, I was like, I'm going to start doing this as a speaker series once a month or twice a month, bringing people like you who are very, very high level, who know their business inside and out to just tell their story. Right. And like, and, and but that's that's a value prop. That's a you are a real, real value prop because most people aren't bringing in somebody like you to talk. Like all right, whatever. You know what I mean? Like what can we sponsor together? It's like no. Yeah. Let's let's put it together. Let's pay for it. Let's get Charles in here because his time is is the value proposition. What his story is the value proposition. So I think that's what we do differently than everybody else. No, it makes sense. And I have to give you guys credit because the. So I, I, I mean, you've, you've known me for a little while. You see me on social media. Like I've been screaming this crap forever. Yeah. Nobody really listens. I came into, into Cardinal, into the, into the three offices. First I went to Sal's then I went to Melville. Then I came out to Jersey and your guys and girls are implementing this shit like immediately, yeah. literally. And, and, and it blew my mind and it's very humbling for me and very sad and very satisfying to see 
what's going to happen after that. But like all of us, they are literally implementing like 90% of what I said right out of the gate. Like everybody hired a content creator. I went out to a networking event um, Wednesday night. Everybody was there. Like everybody's in the mix. So whatever I whatever I said, they're like, all right, cool, and they and they're willing to try, and that's really like ninety five percent of the of of the battle right there, just getting out and actually doing it. Yeah, because I I can tell you for certain that you you made people feel like they were getting a competitive advantage if they did this stuff. Like, hey, you want a competitive edge? You want business to be easier? You want your phone to ring in? Do what I'm telling you, and, and like you could back it up with with real substance. Like you're not just saying it; you did you did it, and you've done it, and you continue to do it. So I think that's why you're seeing people. Like immediately, because I say all the time, you Tony Robbins is great, right? You can go to Tony Robbins, you can walk on fire, you can be totally pumped up. But if you leave and you do nothing, it was a complete waste of your time. You, you it was entertainment for two days or three days or whatever it is, right? But like when you come in for two hours and speak to them about like like, hey, no, you're gonna do this exactly this, and they go and do it. That's two hours that may make them a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Like, and people just need to realize that. No, without a doubt. So I want to talk to you about in regards to acquisitions we were talking about before, like now is, is now the right time, is now the right time. Like you look in the headlines, Loan Depot, Rocket Mortgage, huge losses, right? People are freaking out. There's certain LOs that work for certain companies that are like running to go get jobs, like normal jobs. Yeah. From 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 your standpoint, right? And I guess this kind of lends itself to the whole like, is it time to go buy a board ape or not? Is it time to go buy real estate or not? Is it time for you? to start scooping people up. Cause I know you have a ton of opportunities. People see what you do and you guys are, you know, you're still making money. You prepared properly. So you have a lot of guys and girls that are wanting to come over. Do you now start scooping these people up at this point and expanding or are you waiting six, 12, 18 months? So it's a great question. Um, it depends on where they are in their journey in this market. And what I mean by that is mentally, right? Like where are they on this journey in the market? Have they accepted it is what it is. And are they willing to adjust to what the market is today, not what it was six to eight months ago, a year ago, right? Have you said, hey, my business is down 30, 40%, 50%. This is what it is. I cut my expenses to match it. I, I, I'm working harder to get the business back. This is what I've done. If, they, if they're at that point in their journey, then yes, it's a buy scenario. If they're not, and I've experienced from 2008, I've experienced this, Charles, because I was in the business and I had all these people who were making millions and millions of dollars. The market dumped, right? These guys were worthless in the market, right? They, they weren't they didn't have the same value. And in 2013, 2014, 2015, I was still hearing them talk to me about I made seven figures in 2006. Guy, it's, it's eight years later. It's not 2006 anymore. Like they never got off that train. And what I've seen through my history now is that they've never recovered. They never, ever built their business again because they were holding on to 2005 and 2006. So if the people today have, have adjusted already and they realized that business has changed and they've adjusted their business accordingly, then hell yes, it's a buy situation. But if they're fighting it and they won't take direction on this is what you have to do to, to be effective in this market, then, it, then we've passed on more than we've taken on. Yeah, no, that uh, that makes sense. And I guess in theory, it you know, at, in the right scenario, it, it's it's always a good time to buy. You know, re regardless of where you are in the market cycle, like I'm still buying certain pieces of real estate. I've obviously slowed down a lot. I really want to push out everything I have. Like it's 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 interesting. Like on the on the ops, the promotional side, I laid off a whole bunch of people. But then on the construction side, I'm like, yo, let's hire more people just to get this stuff out as fast as humanly possible because the money's already budgeted into each project. It's not costing any more money per se. We're just speeding up the process because we're we're it's basically a race against the clock. Yeah, and you're, but but 
you have the foresight enough to like, look, I don't want to do this. This sucks, but this is what I, this is what has to be done. Right. Like this is, and that's the same thing with us. Like, you know, cutting people, letting people off, cutting people's income, like that doesn't feel good. And we've personally taken no money to make sure that we didn't have to do more of that. Right. But like, that's part of it too. But I would honestly rather do that than have to go to tell somebody who needs the money every single two weeks that, Hey, you're losing your job. Like, so it's tough, bro, but you have to do what's right for the business. You can't, I ignored it the first time when I went through 2007, 2008, I was living in a penthouse on wall street. My rent was $5,700 a month. Um, I had two cars in the garage. I was going back and forth to Miami every single weekend. I never had money. So I didn't know how to spend, I didn't know how to manage my money. But when the market crashed, I was like, oh, this is going to be a few months. Let me dump out my 401k. Let me cash in all my stocks. Let me take all the reserves I have and spend it on what my lifestyle is because I'm just going to keep the lifestyle going until it turns around again. And what ended up happening was that all my money was gone. I had a ton of debt. I had to move into a, a rent-controlled apartment with my now wife for $1,200 a month. And I had, it took me four years to dig out of it. Instead of it, it shouldn't have took me any time. If I would have adjusted my lifestyle immediately, I would have been fine. But it took, and I ended up setting myself back four years because I was being ignorant and I was, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't being realistic. I mean, I wouldn't say you were ignorant. You just, you didn't have the experience, right? You didn't have right. anybody to tell you like, ignorant. Hey, yeah, I wasn't ignorant. You're right. yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, you just, you just didn't, you just didn't know. Like nobody teaches you this crap. I was very lucky. Like my father's been in business his entire life. So I've seen it. And then I was in my own business from the time I was 23 and I lived through the last recession. So watching, I know just from watching him over the last 42 years of my life that it's, it's never, it's always up, it's down. Yeah. And every seven to 10 years, there's going to be some type of economic correction and you can't live every day as if, you, if every year as if it's your best year, we're going to be screwed, which is why like I spent basically every dollar I have over the last seven years in real estate buying rental properties. Cause I'm like, yo, there's going to come a day where like, you can't flip a house anymore. And what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that. Cause the thing, the thing that, that I take most solace in right now on the, on the months I can't take a paycheck and that and the, the business isn't profitable. It needs to be and all that stuff over the last two years when it was really, really high, I took all my money. I put into real estate, like everything, like I, all the money I was making, I put into real estate. I live very low, very low to the ground after that. So I don't own a property at this point that doesn't earn, which is great. So, but, but at least, and so when I, when I see those months where I'm like, there's no money coming into the account, except for my real estate, I'm like, at least I did the smart thing with my money and I'm not in jeopardy of losing everything again, because my money's safe somewhere, right? It's it, long-term, it's safe somewhere, whether, whether or not in the short term it goes down or not is a different story, but long-term my money is safe somewhere. And that's why I'm always going to be a proponent of real estate over the long term, because I've seen it. Yeah, no, it, 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 it makes perfect sense. And that's one thing that I have to really give you guys credit for is uh, what it also seems like the partnership has enabled you to do is have a little bit of time to then go out and diversify. So like Tommy's in like all kinds of, Tommy's like, he's like slinging tickets. He's got like sports, <laughs> sports drugs business. I'm like, bro, what are you, he's at barber shops. I'm like, what, what, what is, what is going on over here? You know, Frankie's into different stuff. I haven't, I, I met Jimmy obviously last week. I'd love to get him on the podcast and talk to him, but I'm sure he's into all kinds of things. And obviously you are as well, you know, very, very smart because you know what? Not everything is like when I was talking to Tommy earlier in the week, he's like, yo, COVID hit the ticket business went to shit. But then, you know what? The mortgage business went through the roof and you know, now things are changing. Hey, tickets are back up. Mortgages aren't doing as well. The sports medicine thing is freaking cranking because that, that never stops. Like you always have to have a couple of different um, streams of income. So that when one's hitting, one's getting hit hard, the other ones are, are, are keeping you up. Yeah. 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 yeah being diversified was definitely the main thing. And yeah, the, the, 
they're crazy. They're all they're all different things, but it's good for all of us because it diversifies all of us. I own the barbershop with Tommy. I was in one. Of, I was in two or three of those businesses with him, but I wouldn't have been in them without him. So you know, it it it, it definitely helps to have those guys. <laughs> yeah. No. And I understand mortgages the way it's it's fix and flip. Like fix and flip is is my like main core business. That's what my main core business has been, and uh, everything kind of branches off of that. But it's cool that it, that this one business or mortgages in your case gives you the opportunity to like branch out and say, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. But you never kind of forget like where the money really comes from. Yeah. Very, very good point. <laughs> so uh, what do you see going on in the market in the future? What's your plan? What What are your and the partner's plans for the next six to 12 months as we, uh, as we get into this? You know, so I, I keep saying this and I hope that, you know, I don't hope, I think that'll be right, but I think as real estate and mortgage producers right now is the best opportunity anybody's had in the last 12 years to become a top producer, right? I really believe that because you can, where everybody's hiding or everybody's scared, everybody doesn't know what to do. As long as you're just getting up every single day and doing your job, which is all you have to do, right? Doing it aggressively and being proactive about it. You can be a top producer at the end of this if you're not now. So what I really see is for the people who are going to work through this, just like the people who worked through the beginning of COVID, right? At the end of it, they will be so much better off than they were now as long as they get up and do the job every single day. So right now, it's just back to what you said, right? We're back to the main thing, right? I'm going to concentrate on the main thing every single day. I'm going to work my ass off of the main thing. I'm going to work three times as hard now than I worked last year. And at the end of it, I'm going to reap the rewards. Now, that may be six months, that may be 12 months, that may be two years. But at the end of it, I know that if I do what I'm supposed to do every single day, which is do my job, good, bad, or ugly, then at the end of it, I'm going to be in good shape. And I, I think that as salespeople and producers and business owners in this business, that if you if you, if you you get up and do that, I, I know that we're all going to prosper. Yeah, 100%. If anything, this is the time to lean into it and really double yeah. down. This is the time where it's like, yo, do the podcast, go to the networking, build the relationships, you know, invest the time because it's going to be tough for everybody. This will at least get you through making some money. Okay, lower your expenses. And then once there's a turn, you're going to have those relationships. You're going to have the lower expenses. You're going to have the business model down. And you're just going to take off like a rocket and ride the next, you know, six to 10 year wave. And that's really where the money is made. You know, like I, I, I'm, it sounds like you, me, we're all in the same boat. We all made all of our money in the last six, seven years, eight, 10 years since, yeah. since the, so it crashed in 08, the mod, the market bottomed out in 2010, you know, it took people a couple of years to get at it. And then from 2012 to, to, to 2022, yeah. That that's when it happened for everybody. And that's where everybody made their, their, their money. So you don't need a lot of time. Like the average millionaire makes their fortune in five years. That's right. That's true. I know. I, I think about that sometimes. And even for myself, I feel like it cheapens it. Like, well, I just have a good couple of years, but you're right about that. Most people have some kind of something that happens that propels them to that level. And then it, how do you maintain it and grow it from there? And I, you're right. that's really, really actually a powerful statement, right? The average million makes their money in a couple of years. Yeah. The key is to be smart about it. So like you make all the money. Now you've had the experience, you know, you've made all this money. Great. Now you're going to save, you're going to be safe. You're going to be conservative. You're going to deal with the next, you know, 24 months, whatever that brings. And listen, you might have some losses and take some bumps and bruises here and there, but you're not going to lose it all. And then you get to the point where it's like, all right, it's time for another run. And then, oh, you, yeah. then there's the next building block on top of that. And that's how you build generational wealth. And that's the goal, right? I, I'm a long-term thinker. Um, no matter what, always I have to be, and it's hard to be that way. Sometimes short-term pain will, will knock anybody off that long-term perch. But, um, I try to look at the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel always and not what's going on today. Cause today could be rough. It could be rough, rough treading, which is yeah. what goes on a lot of the times. Listen, sometimes I look at the end of the day right now. And I'm like, 
is this the end of it or is we got some more to take? And I think we got some more to take. And it's just a matter of just, I get up and I come to work every single day and I'll continue to do that until I can't anymore. Yeah. I don't even think it's, uh, it's really gotten started yet personally. And your business is very interesting because literally a, a drop in rates can just can send you swinging so wildly in a different direction. So, you know, they decide if, if Frankie's crystal ball is, is right. And all of a sudden they drop rates to four and a half percent. All of a sudden you're hiring processors and everything and you're scaling yeah. back up because it's going to be not so. And then all, all they have to do is start raising rates again. And in three months later, you're like, yeah, I got to lay everybody off. So it's very, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard, man. It's a very hard business. I'm like, I, I, I give you guys a lot of credit because you have to adjust to very violent swings in, in a pretty short period of time. But um, yeah, listen, hopefully that happens for us. We get another quick shot in the arm, but while it's happening, got to be whispering everyone's ear, like, yo, save your money, save your money, save your money, save your money, save your fucking money, bro. Charles, I tried to do that last year with everybody. I said, guys, take advantage of this. It's not going to last forever. And you know, those are a lot of the people I'm talking to today, unfortunately, like, Hey, I got credit card debt now and the deal, I don't have a deal in my pipeline and I don't know what to do. And I'm just like, you know, it's frustrating, but, um, I understand it also because I did it myself. So I understand where people are at with it, but you're right. The next time it happens, it's like, save your money, do the right thing with your money. So you don't have to worry about it when it's down again, cause it's coming. Yeah. I, and I think really my personal opinion for what it's worth in, in your training, when you're bringing these LOs in, I think part of this life training should be like, Hey, listen, we're going to teach you money management to a certain, certain extent. And then you, your story is a very powerful thing because you're staying there. People are looking at you. You're obviously very successful. You're happy. You have a beautiful family and everything. Hey, guess what? Like I made a ton of money like you. And then I lost all of it. You know, learn from my mistakes, be better. Don't do that. And let's set up a system where like, Hey, you make an X amount of dollars, put a certain amount of it away for this, for that, the other thing for a rainy day. Like there's no reason why, there's no reason why everybody on the floor needs to have a Rolex at a thousand dollar a month car payment. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's. Just, I mean, listen, it, it's funny because I see you and you're very, very much like me and I can appreciate that. You're not, there's no flash. There's no, like, you don't have a lot of ton of jewelry on. There's nothing going on. Right. And I had this conversation with somebody about Jay-Z the other day. And I was like, look at Jay-Z when he was a millionaire and look at Jay-Z when he's a billionaire. You would never know he had money now the way he dresses. There's no crazy. If he has a nice watch on, you've never heard of it, but it probably, it's, and it's not overly right, but it's like, you know, how much do you really need, Charles? Like, like, how much do we really need? Like, and when does it just become excess that doesn't make you feel any better? And, and what you know, and, I, and now I'm sure, and I know too, is that money's never going to make you happy. It's, it's everything else that's around it. And money makes it easier to live life, but it doesn't make you happy. So um, it, putting money away the right way and managing money the right way, what you said the right way, makes your life a lot easier. And that's kind of what the goal should be. Yeah. And listen, I, I'm not against people buying nice things. I'm not like I finally went out. So I bought myself uh, over the summer. I bought a Maserati MC 20. Nice. Right? Which, ah, thank you. I, I love it. It's amazing. You know what? I felt a little bit guilty buying it, but at the end of the day, I'm like, fuck it. You know, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be the old guy driving around in a nice car. Cause I, I would appreciate to have a nice car. Cause I've driven pieces of shit forever. Yeah. All I did was put it into real estate, but the money that came to purchase that car came from a refinance of 50 some odd properties that I had purchased over the last five years. So it's like, Hey, all right, cool. Did I go and buy this? But at the end of the day, I have cash flowing assets that are paying me money and the money for, to buy this came out tax free at 3.85% for 30 years. So that I can be like, okay, you did it the smart way. You're right. If you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. And, and listen, this is not smart. And I don't, I don't, I, this is financial advice, but it's not, but I don't have any credit card debt and I don't have a, a payment on any of my cars um, because debt scares me because of what I did to myself in 08, right? So I just, I keep myself very, very debt free 
besides my mortgages because it scares me. But I don't know if that's the best use of your money either. And I'm not saying it is, but um, you got to find what you're comfortable with. That's just what I'm comfortable with at this point in my life. No, that makes perfect sense. Listen, I carry, I carry a lot of debt. Some people are like, aren't you afraid? I'm like, bro, how am I afraid? The government's paying me money every freaking month. Like if the government yeah. can't afford to pay me, like that's we don't true. have to, we have a lot bigger things to worry about. That's true. That's a, that's a really good point. If I can't get my money from the government, then I'm really screwed. Yeah. But, but to your point, I'm exactly the same way. Like I don't own a house. I, I live in a rented apartment, like a $2,800 a month rented apartment. So if, um, if I did buy a house, I'd buy it for cash. The car is paid for in cash. I have a truck that I lease. It's 400 bucks a month that the business pays for. That's it. I don't have anything. I don't have any credit card debt. I don't have any of that stuff. Because like you, I'm thinking, hey, if I'm going to buy a house, like let's say I had a family and it's a lifestyle change at that decision at that point, and I'm going to go buy a house. I need to know that God forbid what happens, that house isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have a $6,000 a month, $10,000 a month mortgage, and then something, and then you know, the world comes to an end and I'm like, shit, how am I going to pay this bill? I want to know like, okay, I can pay my taxes, whatever that is, and I'll figure it out. So, I mean, I think what you're doing is the smart play. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have, you have. And it's cool that you're sharing that knowledge with, uh, with the LOs around you and helping them become better people. So uh, with that said, listen, I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure to work with you guys. You guys are really your, your gentlemen. You're doing a ton for the, for the business and a, and a ton for me. And, um, obviously I'm sure there's a lot of LOs out there. There's people with businesses that are, you know, that want your kind of guidance. How does anybody uh, get in touch with you? How do they reach out to you if they're interested in jumping on board? Thanks for having me. First of all, thanks for continuing to kind of put us out there. Cause I appreciate that more than I can tell you. Um, I, I'm, I'm really accessible on, on Instagram is great for me. It's debug D I B U G. And I answer all my messages there. My website is ralphdbugnara.com and my email um, is easy too if you want to get me there. And that's Ralph at home qualified with a D.com. Perfect. Obviously, I'm the handsome home buyer. You know, if you have a house that smells like cat pee dated from the 1960s, <laughs> six inches of mold on the wall, human waste floating past the basement steps, you know, I want to buy it. Land, commercial property, notes, anything real estate related. I got you. 516 777 sold. That's Ralph.